And I tell you, that Santa Claus laugh is just creepy. Welcome back to Monster Kid Radio. This is episode 58, and this is part two of our discussion with podcast legend Scott Morris and one of his favorite Christmas movies, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians from 1964. And we talked a little bit about the movie itself and some of the key players involved with the movie in part one of our discussion. In part two, Scott's going to tell us about some of his favorite moments from the film. And if you remember my attitude toward the movie at the beginning of our discussion in part one, well, I was a little lukewarm about it, but my heart softened. And I felt like a Jimmy Stewart, it's a wonderful life Christmas miracle happen. By the time we got done talking about the film, I ended up loving the movie. And I think it is something I'm going to watch every Christmas. I might even try to track it down if it's available on DVD or VHS even, hosted by Elvira, or the Mystery Science Theater or Rift Tracks or Cinematic Titanic version. I do want to pick up the Kino edition that was released on Blu-ray not too long ago. That release did appear on the Holiday Gift Guide, so I need to track that down. Now, Scott is the co-host of Disney Indiana, as well as 1951 Down Place. You can find links to those podcasts over on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you'll also find information about how you can get a hold of us. You can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 503-479-5MKR. That's 503-479-5657. You can find out everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio by going to that website, links to our Live 365 channel, our YouTube page, everything else we've got going on between episodes. You can find it there or you can find it on our Facebook page or in our Facebook group. If you haven't already done so, please like us on Facebook or ask to join the group and I'll make sure you get approved and you can start chatting it up with other listeners of the show between episodes. You know, I know it's the day after Christmas, but I'm still feeling the the holiday mood. So let's rush into part two of our discussion of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians with Scott Morris right after this. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934. And after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. A port city in the Canadian province of Ontario and Canada's 10th largest city. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Down Place can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Oh, sorry, I thought you said Hamilton. 1951 Down Place, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Sometimes when we talk about a movie on the show, we go through the plot by and break down the story, you know, scene by scene or whatever. And sometimes we just kind of rap about the movie, and and that's kind of what we're doing here, just kind of talking about this film that 
Scott absolutely adores. What are like three or four scenes in this movie that just stand out as your favorites? Well, I, I love the, the actual scene there at the beginning of the film with uh, the, the newsman interviewing Santa. And John Call actually plays Santa how I, as this, I don't want to say stereotypic, but how I always in picture when I was growing up what Santa would be. Okay. He's just this big toy maker, has the has the big laugh, and nothing bothers him. This newsman just knocks on his door a couple weeks before Christmas, his busiest time of the year, and he still takes up time to talk with him. And you see that they're all building, you know, hand building toys and everything. And you know, of course, they go over to talk to the elf that's ahead of uh, the new toy division, and he's got a, a rocket ship that goes off a real rocket fuel, 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 fuel. Yes. <laughs> And, of course, built the, the Martian model of what he thinks a Martian looks like. But I just love that whole scene of seeing this little tiny Santa's workshop. It, it's just how I pictured Santa's workshop being when I was a little um, Disney Indiana person. It's true. It does have that kind of classic feel. A lot of this movie feels like it was shot in the same storage unit. but it <laughs> a, a Warehouse in New Jersey is actually where it was filmed. Yeah. <laughs> but the Santa Claus workshop set could have been the display area where you go get your picture taken with Santa at a Macy's department store somewhere. It okay. had that kind of feel. Yeah, and easily, it was great. Yeah, easily a department store window at the very least. Yeah, yeah, and I did like it, that. So I, I love that scene. And, and it's, then it's important, you know, I, I know you, not to cut you off, it's interesting because later in the movie when Santa Claus is making toys on Mars, it's a stark contrast. And that's what I was going to say. It's it, it really sets up this great contrast because the the workshop that they build him on Mars is very push button futuristic. You press a button and three baseball bats come out of the wall type of thing. So it's like comparing the classic way of building toys to mass manufacturing. And Santa feels kind of disappointed by it because all he do, does is sit there and press buttons all day. They ask him at one point, how'd your day go, Santa? Well, my finger sure is tired from hitting that button all the time. <laughs> the scene in the Martian toy shop is probably the only time you see Santa in another mood other than jolly because he's a little melancholy. Oh, good point. Because he talks about, you know, here I am, the great toy maker, just reduced to pressing buttons, which was kind of sad. <laughs> Well, there's that, and there's that one other moment where Santa Claus is – he's trying to look at the bright side because he's Santa Claus. Well, we've got all this automation here. Looks like I'll be able to get back home to Earth to do Christmas for the Earth children. No, Santa. You're staying on Mars. You can there's never this leave. moment. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another scene that I really like in the film is when Santa and the kids are trapped in the airlock by Voldar. You know, for being a movie aimed at kids, there are some scary moments in this. Yes. I mean, obviously, you know, the kids are going to be okay, but I'm trying to imagine myself as like a five or six year old watching this movie. I'm assuming theatrically on the big screen, although it does feel like it might have been made for television because there are some perfectly placed commercial fade outs and fade ins. Yes. I, I'm trying to imagine myself as a kid being freaked out that Santa Claus and the kids are in an airlock about to be sucked out into space. <laughs> The way they get out of that is perfect for this film and fits into the Santa lore just great. Are we going, going through the going through? Yeah, go oh. ahead. No, we're, we're spoiling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're in this little tiny room that's got a door to inside the ship and a door to outside. The one inside the ship is locked, and the countdown has started by Voldar that will open the outside door. 
but there's a, an, a little tiny air vent that's probably about the size around as a basketball, maybe. It looks like something you would see on an old steamer ship that would be on deck that you could climb down in through that you always see in films. Mm-hmm. Except for it's up, you know, hanging from the ceiling down. And then you go to the control room of the ship and you see Voldar, just as the time goes by, Kimar comes in and says, where's Santa and the kids? Oh, they're now floating in space. <laughs> <laughs> so then they have this really wonderfully choreographed fight. <laughs> but Santa and the kids come in right in the middle of the fight like nothing happened. Ho, ho, ho. I just love that whole sequence. You know, on the one hand, it is, like you said, fitting with the Santa Claus lore. He can slip through a chimney, no problem. But on the other hand, we were kind of robbed of how we escaped. Yeah, they don't actually show it. We didn't to see it. <laughs> um, there was probably no budget in the special effects to shrink him and the kids down to go through the... Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I like that scene. And then in all its goofiness, that reminds me of classic pie fight movies. I love when they defeat Voldar with all the toys. You've got the two yes. Earth kids, you've got the two Martians, and you've got Santa there. And Santa's not really taking a part in it. He's just there with his bubble pipe, watching the whole thing, just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the kids are basically throwing every toy that they've built, and then, you know they've got little plastic bows and arrows, and a little pop gun, and wooden airplanes are throwing at Voldar and he's just getting attacked from all different directions. Yep. It's in the style of a classic pie fight in a classic movie. You know, when I was watching it, I immediately, for whatever reason, started thinking about 1992's film toys with Robin Williams, because there's a scene in that movie where they use all the toys to kind of defeat the bad guy as well. And I can't decide which film did it better. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's definitely the vibe that I got. And it's a fun little scene. And now this is probably something that you would not have seen in a Santa Claus movie. Like, if they made this movie now, it seems like a lot of the Santa Claus films, Christmas films, that have an actual Santa showing toys and toy making to the kids, that sort of thing. At least this was like – it was like this maybe when I was uh, about to hit my teens, you know, right when I'm starting to get out of the whole Santa Claus thing. It seems like a lot of the Christmas movies, Santa Claus would go out of his way and say, well, we don't make toy guns. We don't make toys out of war and things like that. You know, So I feel like maybe that's a difference between that era and now. I don't know. Am I making sense? Of that? Oh, you want yeah. To you, that you wouldn't see Santa making any kind of toys that would be confused for, for weapons at all. Yeah. I mean, the bow and arrow wouldn't be there. The pop guns wouldn't be there. But back in the 60s, I, I don't know. Is that a more innocent time? I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you even have the toys. So I love the toy soldiers. I actually thought some of the toys that we got to see on display here were pretty cool. There was a lot of the tin wind-up style yeah. uh, little toys that were on the ground. There was a little drummer boy. There was a, a line of soldiers, a couple of tanks that the kids had wound up and were advancing on Voldar. And so there was a couple quick shots of those. And those toys were cool. Yeah, they were really neat. I'm sure they were just available. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, they I'm went sure down the to the five and dime. and yeah. <laughs> Well, we got a drugstore around the corner. Go clear them out, all right? All right. <laughs> and that bubble pipe that he smokes, man, I hated bubble pipes, kid. <laughs> hated them. The first time I tried to use a bubble pipe when I was a little kid, I ended up sucking a mouthful of the bubble fluid, and I hated them ever since. That actually surprised me that they showed him with a bubble pipe and not a real pipe, because 
if it was today, I would oh. I would say a, a bubble pipe. But back then, I'm surprised it wasn't a real pipe. That's a really good point. Huh. It was ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie just came out on Blu-ray for some reason or other, courtesy of Kino. Just for me. <laughs> just, just for Scott. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Scott. <laughs> And yes, and I picked it up um, when when Derek and I decided to watch this film. I realized I, d- I had a DVD copy that I had bought at a grocery store for like two bucks one year. I mean, it's public domain, so right. anybody, yeah. But when I saw that there was a Blu-ray uh, special out there that had uh, some special features, I thought I'm going to track that down. So I ended up ordering it. But the special features really don't have anything to do with Santa Claus conquers the Martians. I mean, there oh, is that's a, a shame. There is a trailer that they made recently for the film, but it's actually on the on the disc, but it's actually for the disc itself. The trailer's like two and a half minutes. The first half of it is about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And then the other half is about this 45-minute special feature that comes with the disc. Now, this is of the same era from the 60s, a lot of theater ads for Christmas. So, you know, the management of this theater likes to wish you a Merry Christmas and thanks for coming out to the theater. And, you know, there's uh, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. There's also some old commercials like Ozzy and Harriet for Kodak. And they have all these different Kodak brownie cameras for six bucks that you can get for Christmas. And there's also several classic uh, two, three minute cartoons of Christmas and stuff. It's about 45 minutes in length. And it's, it's as kitschy as the film is. It's it's another snapshot of 60s Christmas. How does the print of the movie itself look? They did some work on cleaning it up because it, it is much better than the prints that uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 used. A lot brighter. It's it's a little easier to watch, a little easier to see some of the things in the background. Okay. So they, they did some work on cleaning up the film as well. You know, Kino is pretty good about tracking down some as as HD as possible, <laughs> some original elements, and then using those to build their product with. I've got a handful of Kino releases here that they've gone through and they've done that where they've found some original prints or masters or negatives or whatever and then built their film off of that. And it looks good when they do it. I am thinking I want to add this to my collection at some point. <laughs> <laughs> They're calling it the Retro Holiday Film Festival on the Amazon product page. It sounds like that would be fascinating to have just by itself to maybe put on a loop in the background while you're doing other Christmas stuff around the house. But it, the film itself looks good, too. It sounds, oh, what about the sound? Sound was really good. There there wasn't any of the, the popping or scratching sounds that the, like the MST3K version has a little bit of. Very impressed. I mean... It's not true HD, obviously, because the source material just wasn't there, but it was actually really well done. The only thing I would recommend is try to, probably not something that you're going to run into today, but I know they had some issues when they first released it. They had the wrong print of the film, and it was only like 60 minutes or something. Okay. And uh, because the film itself is like 110 minutes, something in that neighborhood, so... I think they fixed it, and I don't think you're going to run into that problem anymore. Well, that's something that we wanted to talk about, because all the different versions that you've seen from Mystery Science Theater or Cinematic Titanic or Rift Tracks or anything else, a lot of times when a movie is chosen for one of these programs, they've got to trim the movie a little bit here and there to make it fit. Was there anything noticeably different between this version and what you saw at Rift Tracks recently or what you've seen over the years? No, I didn't notice anything that was either missing or added 
uh, when I watched it straight. That was one of the things I was wor- uh, not worried about. I was curious about because, yeah, like you said, Mystery Science Theater 3000 had a two-hour block that they had to fill. And when you take out television commercials, you're looking at maybe an hour 35, something like that. They also, a lot of times if the movie was shorter, they would even throw in shorts. Well, this one didn't have any shorts with it. So the hour and 10 minutes fit really well with their schedule because they were able to fill the other 10 or 15, 20 minutes with... Um, Patrick Stacey Christmas. Yes, and, and other host bits. They have a, a time where they meet some of the misfit toys. <laughs> uh, no, their invention exchange is some new misfit toys. That's what it was. Oh, okay, okay. They also exchange Christmas gifts at one point. They also look at over tapes of some other cheesy Christmas specials and different things like that. So they have their host segments as well. Is Santa Claus Conquers the Martians available on Blu-ray or DVD uh, as part of the Mystery Science Theater or releases? I know it is in multiple different ways because uh, they put it out in a set. Now, yes, there was uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000's The Essentials came out in 2004, which has uh, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Wow, that's a double feature. (laughs) But that Oof. one, that one is out of print, <laughs> so that one would be a little bit uh, more difficult to get because that was put out by Rhino, and Rhino no longer puts out the DVDs for Mister Science Theater Three Thousand. Well, if it's out of print, I mean, you might be able to find a used copy of it somewhere. Yes, yeah, Amazon a, has has used copies of the Essentials. Is there a, a collectability or a collector's market for these older Mystery Science Theater movies or releases? Well, there was one version that they put out that had one of the Godzilla films on it, and they realized uh, they yeah. didn't have the rights to release it, and they had to pull it, and then they replaced it with something else. So there's like 10 and 10.1, I think a lot of the collectors call it, or 10.2. But if you can find the original with the uh, the Godzilla film on it, that one is collectible. I unfortunately don't have that one. But the cinematic Titanic version of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is available on Amazon, and unfortunately, the Rift Tracks version that they did live is not available either. But you can track down the cinematic Titanic version. If you want to find the movie straight, it's in the public domain and it's on many, many, many different formats. Yeah, I mean, I see it on YouTube. I'm sure it's on archive.org as well. I think that's the link that you sent me at one point was the yes. archive.org. And I've got a Roku as well, so I'm sure I can track it down on a number of the public domain channels on my Roku if I just have to watch it again. Um, <laughs> is this something you're going to watch every year? I think so. I, I'm wow. sure I'm sure I will watch it again. Like I said, it's so much fun. Now, while I was watching it, yeah, I had seen it many times rift and I was uh, when a scene would come up and I knew a certain riff that I really liked, it, it popped into my mind watching it again. And that might have made it easier for me to watch it <laughs> over you. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I guess for me, like I said, I I struggled with a little bit of it. I guess it's I'm not a target audience. I'm not a kid in the '60s, and you know, as I said earlier, when it came to Mystery Science Theater, when I was originally into it, awesome. But I did drift away from it over the years. I've over the past couple of years, have started to get back into Mystery Science Theater. Scott's made it real easy for me. He's you know kind of guided me back to the path of being a Misty. And, uh, you know, when I watch a movie like this, I can't help but think, of course, this was made for Mystery Science Theater. I mean, this is where this movie lives and dies. I mean, it's on Mystery Science Theater at this point. 
Well, you also growing up was more of a, a monster kid over a sci-fi kid like me. And right. this is more in the sci-fi realm than it is in the monster realm. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I was calling them monsters earlier, but the Martians are about as monstrous as you're going to get. Although I love Torg. Yeah. Torg's, Man, Torg's I love great. Torg. And then, of course, sequel about Torg. <laughs> and of course, this film, you know, another thing that was big in, when the films like this were made, there's some stock footage. <laughs> and if, one of the things I found is this same exact stock footage shows up in Dr. Strangelove. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you said you had done a little bit of research about the movie. Um, was there anything else about the film that we should well, one no. thing, one thing, <laughs> one thing that I found that I didn't know existed that now I definitely want to track down. Uh, a couple of years ago, an author by the name of Lou Harry wrote a sequel to Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and put out a book that also incl- included the DVD. Now, the book uh, was released in 2005, and it presents the story from the perspective of Gimar, the little girl Martian who's now grown up and is succeeded her father and she rules Mars and she narrates the film or excuse me. She narrates the story in a Valley girl esque type of language. Oh, wow. So I'm thinking, you know, the original is uh, obviously of the sixties. This sounds like something that might've been right out of the eighties, which would have been about right when she would have ascended to the throne of Mars. Well, the- I mean, if you look at Pia Zadora online, she looks like somebody who was active in that kind of eighties kind of scene. I mean, She's got that kind of makeup and the hair and all that. You know, I just, I don't know. But yeah, I want to track down this book because it looks like it'd be a fun read. <laughs> and to add another copy of the movie to your How many copies of Santa Claus, Carcass, and Martians do you now own? Different versions. Well, like I said earlier, I do have the grocery store bought $2 copy, which incidentally, when I went to see Cinematic Titanic perform, I brought the disc with me, even though it wasn't their version of it and had them all sign it. They thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So I have that. Uh, That was the only one that I had uh, straight before this, and now I had the Kino version. So I'm going to keep them both because the one's got the autographs on it. Well, of course. Well, on the Kino one, it's got that awesome collection. Yes. And then I've got the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version, and I have the, the Essentials that was in. I also have the Cinematic Titanic uh, DVD release of it that you can still that one you can still buy I'm waiting for the Rift Tracks uh, folks to put it out so I can get that one and I probably will buy the um, Elvira version so I can have that one as well. Anything else about the movie that you think is interesting or any other tidbits you dug up? No, there was one other one thing I wanted to mention uh, I did find that uh, someone has converted it into a musical What? <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, what? No. <laughs> it was actually done in Chicago. It started in 1983. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, the musical. I have not seen this. Wow. But supposedly it's being performed in the Maverick Theater in Fullerton, California, every year since 2006, including this year. And I also found a link to where it's being performed in Arizona this year. Wow. <laughs> I know nothing about the musical. I... I don't know any of the songs or anything, but it has me intrigued. I can tell you what one song is. (laughs) S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S, hooray for Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. You know what? I think we're going to make this a tradition here on Monster Kid Radio. We're going to talk about 
a, a Christmas-ish movie every year with Scott. I already know what we're going to talk about next year. It's another Santa Claus movie uh, with Scott. So I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about that one because that one is. You think this one's goofy? Wait till you see that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Scott, we mentioned this at the top of the show. I want to mention it again. You can be found at your home podcast, which is. Disney Indiana, which can be found at DisneyIndiana.com or on iTunes. And this month you've talked about some Disney Christmas stuff, right? Well, we talked about Frozen, which just came out. Uh, and then our next episode, we're getting ready to talk about Saving Mr. Banks, which I cannot wait to see. I am a huge Mary Poppins fan. So the movie comes out on the 20th and we'll be there that weekend. And we're planning on talking about it for our next film. But uh, interspersed with all that, we do have some Disney Christmas music and um little other surprises like that. Right on. And then, of course, you can find Scott on our Hammer Films podcast, 1951 Downplays, where we're talking about a Christmas movie over there as well this month, uh, Cash on Demand. I'm looking forward to watching it. I have not watched it yet. Neither have I. And we are recording this the day before we are actually recording for the show. So uh, guess what I'll be doing this afternoon. (laughs) I guess what I'll be doing this uh, this evening. <laughs> well, Scott, it's always a blast to have you here on Monster Kid Radio. Uh, we will have you back before Christmas of next year to talk about something. We've got some plans in the works for some special podcasting uh, next year. And I'm excited I, to get into that. I also understand you're taking another visit to the Red Planet possibly next week here on Monster Kid Radio. I am. Do we want, well, we'll go ahead and we'll tease that because I'm going to be joined by Scott's better half. No offense. Oh, I agree. <laughs> To either one of you. <laughs> Tracy Morris will be back on the show to talk about the War of the Worlds. So Martians from a different point of view. <laughs> a very different point of view. So that'll be fun. Scott, thank you, man. It was, it was a blast to do this movie with you. Yeah, thanks. You know, having- after talking with you about it, I actually, I think I'm warmed up to the movie a little bit more. Cool. My job here is done. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, man, that guy's laugh was just creepy. I like Droppo's laugh better. Droppo's laugh is pretty good. No, I, I can't believe I just said that. I got to end this recording right now. <laughs> you know, if you're really feeling the holiday spirit and want to keep it going through the rest of the month, the podcast has gotten my co-host with Casey Criswell, 1951 Downplays, the Hammer Films podcast. Well, this month we're covering the movie Cash on Demand, which is one of the only, if not the only, Hammer film that explicitly takes place during Christmas time. It stars Peter Cushing, so you know it's a winning film. That episode will be coming out later this month. Head over to 1951downplace.com to find out more about that podcast or just look us up in iTunes or Stitcher Radio on your smartphone. And I know I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Every time Scott Morris or his wife Tracy appears on the show, they do me a solid because they record the audio on their end, which for some reason or other comes through much clearer than if I had tried to record it on my end. I don't know if they've got some sort of magic pixie dust in their system, some sort of connection with the higher-ups, with the mouse ears. I don't know what it is, but their recording always sounds so much better. So I want to say thank you to Scott and Tracy for always recording the audio every time we get together and chat it up for a podcast. Speaking of Tracy, she's our guest next week when we're going to talk about well, a classic alien invasion film, the original War of the worlds. And that's going to be a fun discussion. So come back next week for that.
Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, I cannot lay claim to the song... Hooray for Santa Claus by Milton DeLug and the Little Eskimos. It appears in the public domain film Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And, you know, I just got to listen to it one more time this holiday season. Talk to you next week. Hey, hey.